A New Populist Vision for Canada The rise of liberalism is the death of liberalism. As liberalism succeeds the seeds of its destruction grow, mature and spread, to choke the growth of liberalism and kill of its ability to reproduce. The nature of liberalism is such that it must kill the soil in which it grows. Yet, people still feel there is a need for liberalism in Canada. Despite the widening divisions in Canada, between the people of the left and right, the Canadian people insist there is a common bond, a Canadian identity, which all Canadians shares. As left moves further from the right and the class division grows, and the provinces stress the unique niche they occupy, the remnant continue to preach a message of a common Canadian humanity, a common Canadian identity, a common agenda and purpose that looks much as a liberal political platform. It is not difficult to see the common bond we are said to share, is the agenda of the left. Indeed, the very notion of the Christian conservative right joining or reconciling with the godless left is madness of a peculiarly communist sort. The left tells us we can all get along if only the right would give up its principles and values. These values of the right are called divisive because they prevent the right from adopting the agenda of the left. The crack in the Canadian identity appeared during the lead-up to the signing of the Charter. It was a celebration of a Canada not everyone occupied. The Charter sought to institutionalize Canada's liberalism. It was specifically a non-American liberalism. The courts were given the honor of taking Canada down the progressive road. They were given this honor because they could do it in that uniquely liberal way, devoid of the inconvenience of checks and balances. There were many, many other smaller victories after that. All the institutions of Canada were shifted to the left, often radically so. In a preemptive announcement of victory, the tyrant king of Canada drove home what he thought was the final nail in the coffin of conservatism. But the creature was not yet dead, nor were we defeated. The woke joke declared the onset of authoritarianism and the end of the right. Raising up the spirit of his father as a right during a celebration of victory for liberalism, the black-faced Nazi invoked the War Measures Act sanitized as the Emergency Powers Act. The truckers, possibly without realizing it, had stuck a dagger deep into the heart of liberalism. It is a death blow. Liberalism cannot exist but as a parasite. To kill the host creature, which is conservatism, is to kill the liberal agenda. At some point Dracula's victim must arouse and resist the last drop of blood being drained or die. In either case, the blood-sucking socialist must die. But so long as a vestige of freedom remains on the right, so long as some degree of independence is still enjoyed, the full glory of the liberal experiment remains unfulfilled. The black-faced tyrant had to kill the trucker's revolt because freedom and liberalism are incompatible. Trudeau realized that so long as any group on the right dared to resist the slightest order liberalism remained threatened. The convoy was a threat to Canadian liberalism, it was an attempt to overthrow tyranny, it cannot be denied.
conservatism and liberalism cannot be reconciled. No one knows this better than a liberal devoid of principles. But the problem for Canada is the liberalism that lurks in the minds of conservatives. Canada is a liberal country. The minds of its people are liberal minds, regardless of their political leanings. The liberalism that is the Liberal Party is not the problem. But Canadians think something called Canada exists. It existed at one time, but it has been eroded away since its inception. History is about wars, divisions, and conflict. Despite history, Canadians think a name and flag will whittle away the differences. We cannot even agree on the words of the anthem. Alberta is not Quebec, and the English are not French. The West is not the East, and the North not the South. There are many, many differences embedded in political jurisdictions the people of these regions do not wish to let go of. Division is entering the nation and growing stronger in other peoples with other priorities. The divisions are not growing fewer or weaker, the nation is becoming more fractured. Is the aim to create so many divisions that no one division matters? The only equality possible is the equality of a mob, where the individual no longer matters, nor are there any significant factions, just one seething mass of bodies. If this is the plan for Canada, the average citizen has no idea what is going on. The tendency is to view the symptom as the disease. It is not all of the fights that are important, nor is it the combatants that are in the wrong. The problem is the inherent self-destructiveness of liberalism. Canada has always been liberal. It was birthed in a reaction to the American War for Independence, it matured, so Canadians were told, by revoking the North American Act and enacting the Canadian Charter of Rights and Freedoms. But all of this hid the smothering of conservatism and the conservative mind and the conservative race and rights. Liberalism is part of a political ideology called fascism, but it is a soft fascism. Most commentators divide the right and left political factions by economic theories. The left is considered favorable to communism and those on the right are considered supporters of capitalism. A better divide is fascism versus apriorism. Fascism in its most general form is the state as the visible god. Hard fascism is the conventional form and what most people understand as fascism. Hard fascism is nationalistic and lifts up the state as the embodiment of the national identity. Hard fascism is a politics that considers all property in the service of the state. Everything is in the state, and nothing is outside of the state. The state of hard fascism does not eliminate private enterprise but it exercises perpetual emergency powers over the national body. In this light, we can consider the elder Trudeau as a soft fascist and his son as the harbinger of hard fascism. The fascist state governs in a manner that makes the state the purpose of the state and law just one more feature of the state. Law for a fascist is a tool used by the state in the service of the state.
The might of the state is the right of the state. Fascism is founded on two central principles that comprise the doctrine of fascism. Might makes right and the end justifies the means. All things in the state exist for one purpose, and that is to enhance state power. Nationalism is the love of the state, and the state is the government. It is the duty of the subject of a fascist state to serve as the servant of the state in any capacity deemed necessary by the state. Soft fascism is linked more with identity and allied with if not a direct consequence of identity politics. Soft fascism is the politics of cancel culture, critical race theory and identity politics, not to mention the cult of the influencer. Justin Trudeau is more akin to an influencer than a political leader. But this resorting to personality in place of policy is not limited to Trudeau. Soft fascism is more progressive and less nationalistic and more attuned to the power of personality than the power of the military. To paraphrase Mussolini's definition of fascism, soft fascism is everything in the party and nothing outside of the party. If hard fascism is masculine and externally aggressive, Hard fascism requires the state to marshal all the property of the nation to dominate the alien other. Soft fascism is feminine and turned inwards. If hard fascists were warmongers, soft fascists are masochists and mutilators of their own bodies. If Nazis turned most of their power outwards, the liberals turn their power inwards. If hard fascists expand their borders, soft fascists create an idolatry of the leader and the party. If there are groups who do not align with the party agenda, they are punished and insulted and diminished. The liberal vision is of a government that nurtures its subjects. Soft fascists do not demand martial valor, but kindness, empathy, compassion, a willingness to have one another's backs and being there for others. The summation of the liberal mind is the oft-repeated phrase, we are all in this together. The war of the soft fascist is against the one who will not fit in. If the Borg were a good caricature of hard fascism, communes give us a picture of what soft fascism is like. Cancel culture is very much a product of soft fascism. Mandates and the preachy virtue signaling of the left are examples of soft fascism. If hard fascists come at you with jackboots, soft fascists scream obscenities and block accounts for speaking the wrong pronoun. This is not to say soft fascists will not call on their masculine counterparts when resistance to common core is encountered. Unfortunately, the Tucker protest, as liberating as it was, only asked for a reset of the liberal mandate. Eliminating the mandates frees the body and turns back the clock, but does not free the mind, the spirit, nor us from the liberal agenda. Thinking like a liberal and living in liberal systems, while fighting like a conservative, is not a winning strategy. What we need to understand is that there is a liberal Canada of soft fascism and there is a conservative Canada that is more inclined to populism. The conservative Canada is not compatible with the liberal version. 
This is because fascism and populism reflect two distinct minds and realities. Populist Canada is not based on laws and the state. It is not grounded in a conception of universal human rights. Populist Canada does not believe there is one reality to which we are all committed and to which Canadians must be prepared to sacrifice values, traditions and principles to serve it. Fascist Canada is an illusion created by liberals and it is being destroyed by them. Conservatives are only trying to live without fascism. Populists want nothing but to live without fascism. That is the extent of our demands, but it is a non-negotiable demand. Populism simply is a belief that nations are economically viable or they do not exist. A political jurisdiction is an economically viable market or it is not self-governing. A jurisdiction that is economically viable is autonomous and self-governing. This is all that populism is. Canada is a nation composed of economic viable units or it becomes subjected to fascist autocrats. The populist statement of principle states populists do not interfere in what you wish to consume, enjoy, partake of, in fact we insist, consume what you want, when you want as much as you want, just pay the whole, entire cost out of your own pocket. Do this and you will have no trouble with us.